Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, September 7th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Boris Johnson is set to announce a major tax rise today, and the military coup in Guinea has people worried about aluminum production. Plus, many developing countries are finding cryptocurrencies appealing, and the biggest experiment starts today in El Salvador. This is not some Mickey Mouse country, all right? It's a small country in Central America. It looks a bit bizarre that it's doing this, but this is a test case. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Today, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson will announce a tax rise of more than £10 billion. The money will go toward emergency support for the NHS. It'll also go to gradually reforming the UK's social care sector. But the FT's political editor, George Parker, says members of Johnson's own party are pretty unhappy with the idea of a tax rise. The Conservatives made a promise to the electorate in 2019 that there would be no increases in taxation or the main rates of taxation. Uh, That will be a blatant manifesto breach. Second thing is they like to think of themselves as a party of low taxation, although the record shows that at the moment the tax burden in the UK is the highest it's been since the late 1960s. So Tories quickly shedding that reputation. And the third thing is the way this tax rise will operate. Basically, it's a tax paid by all people on their income, but it doesn't include payments for rental income or dividends. And also, it doesn't apply to people aged over 66. So that means that the people most likely to receive social care in the short term, at least, are not going to be paying anything more either. And what's the purpose of this? Well, the government's going to introduce a cap on the amount that anyone can pay in their lifetime for social care of about £80,000. Now, the objective of that is to stop people having to sell their house if they have to face catastrophic costs for social care. You can see the criticism of that policy, that you're asking people on low incomes who are probably renting a property being asked to pay more so that people who live in houses worth a million pounds can pass their home on to their privileged children. It doesn't look equitable. It's not equitable. But Boris Johnson, nevertheless, is going to plough ahead with it because he thinks it's unavoidable that tax, some sort of taxes are going to have to rise if they're going to meet this extra cost. George Parker is the FT's political editor. Guinea's military said they had overthrown the country's 83-year-old president, Alpha Conde, on Sunday. He was elected in 2010 and won a controversial third term last year. Guinea is the world's second biggest producer of the raw material bauxite, which is needed to make aluminum. And the news of the coup sent the price of aluminum on Monday to its highest level in a decade. The FT's West Africa correspondent, Neil Munchi, said the leaders of the coup are trying to calm the fears of industry leaders around the world. On Monday, the head of the junta tried to sort of reassure the global mining industry by saying that the ports would still be open for export, that the mining companies in the country should continue to operate as usual, and the airports would be open again. Uh, And he said all this was in order to ensure the continuity of production, which kind of underscores the importance of the mining industry to the economy in Guinea. Yeah, Neil, can you explain a little more about the significance the mining industry has in Guinea? So mining and, you know, bauxite production in particular makes up the bulk of the country's exports. And it's incredibly important to the country's economy. But at the same time, it has over the years been the subject of allegations of gross corruption involving 
major mining companies from all over the world and politicians. And it, it hasn't done much at all for the people of Guinea who remain some of the poorest people in the world. Neil Mochi is the FT's West Africa correspondent. Twenty years after it adopted the U.S. dollar as its national currency, El Salvador will today become the first country in the world to make Bitcoin legal tender. Those in favor of the move say it will cut the fees Salvadorans pay to send home remittances, which represent one quarter of the country's GDP. Critics say the rushed plan could cost poorer Salvadorans dearly when the price falls and provide a shield for money launderers. But whether you think it's a good idea or a bad idea, it's happening. And the FT's Jonathan Wheatley says crypto isn't just popular in El Salvador, it's really gaining traction in a lot of developing countries. What we've seen is that acceptance becomes, adoption becomes quite high in places where people don't necessarily trust the national currency. So a currency has to act as a means of exchange, as a store of value, and as a unit of account. And in all those aspects of use, emerging market currencies are often flawed. You often get runaway inflation or unpredictable inflation that can go up and down quite quickly. You get very sharp and unpredictable movements in the exchange rate. It can be very hard to do things that you know some of us in advanced economies find quite easy to do. If I drive across Europe and get a parking ticket in Italy, when I get home, I can pay it by bank transfer out of my checking account. Um, that kind of thing, if you're in Lagos, is extremely complex. And Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies make that an awful lot easier. And although, obviously, during the time that it takes to enact a transaction, the value can move very sharply and cryptocurrencies do move very sharply in value. Nevertheless, when you're used to your own national currency moving extremely sharply in value, then that kind of risk becomes much more acceptable. Now, Jonathan, the way that I understand it is that this isn't necessarily new. Emerging markets have this tendency to adopt new technology early. Like cryptocurrency isn't the first time We've seen this kind of transition in developing countries, right? No, absolutely. And in fact, you know, when a new technology comes along, they quite often tend to adopt it quickly because it allows them to leapfrog over the absence of a preceding technology. The example that we give is M-Pesa in Kenya, which is now in several other countries, which basically allowed people without bank accounts to use their mobile telephone accounts as bank accounts. Basically, the, the telecom operator was operating as a bank. And that allowed the unbanked to become banked without bank accounts. And what some people are hoping is that not just with cryptocurrencies, but with the distributed ledger technology and the blockchains, that's one of the, one of the applications of that, that lies behind crypto, that other things might come along that would allow that kind of leapfrogging. And the classic example would be land registry or property registry in general. In a great many developing countries, there is almost no land registry at all, and certainly very precarious land registry. So people don't have rights over their own property. And crucially, they're not able to leverage that right into lending for investment and growth. So you've got a whole pile of dead capital in a lot of emerging economies that could be unlocked by functioning land registry or property registry more broadly. And the hope is, among some, that distributed ledger technology, blockchain, would allow that to happen. Jonathan, just going back to El Salvador for a bit, you know, what are other countries looking at when they watch this experiment unfold? 
Well, um, one point that we that we reported in our in our big read was that this is not some Mickey Mouse country. All right, it's a small country in Central America. It looks a bit bizarre that it's doing this, but it's it's a democratically elected government. It's not under sanctions from anybody. It's a member of the of the IMF. It's inserted in the international financial system. And you know, one commenter that we interviewed made the point that. This is a test case. I mean, we will see whether or not it's possible for a country to accept cryptocurrencies. And if it works or not, will be very, very interesting either way. Jonathan Wheatley is the FT's Emerging Markets Correspondent. Thanks, Jonathan. You're very welcome. My pleasure. Before we go, let's take a trip to the cinema. Marvel's first superhero with an Asian lead character has been all the buzz. I thought I could change my name. Start a new life. But I could never escape his shadow. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings made $90 million in U.S. ticket sales over Labor Day weekend. It makes Shang-Chi the most successful Labor Day release on record. The previous record holder was the movie Halloween. The release of Shang-Chi was a bit of a risk on Disney's part. It was the first film from its Marvel Studio subsidiary that debuted exclusively in theaters since the start of the pandemic. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. This is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit from a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.